can be Avengers. Our world's about to That the awesome Avengers song from Disney XP, Bring the Band, Hey, welcome to the Comic Book Show. Again, a working title for Brothers Comics, um, where we talk about uh, modern comics and other comics as well. But um, tonight we're going to talk about the Avengers and a couple of other comic books tonight. But before we get to that, I have to go get to my mutants there on the phone on the line tonight. It's mutant number one. It's Brother Beaver. Say what's happening. Hey, what's happening, fellow Avengers? All right, now. And then number two, it is mutant number two. It's the Sandman. Sandman, say what's happening. Mutants assemble. What's going on, y'all? That's right, man. <laughs> that might come up a little bit later as uh, Marvel was really trying to blend a whole bunch of stuff together about maybe five yeah. years ago. But yeah. uh, we're going to try to keep it as, as pure as possible with the Avengers. Uh, with that song coming in, we were talking about it right before we started to record. Um, that Disney XD cartoon is just flat out awesome. It is, yes. uh, and you said you just purchased it, or you have, or you watch it off the Hulu. Uh, both. I've, uh, is it on Hulu currently? It, I think okay. they, uh, I think they took it off. But uh, yeah, I did buy the, uh, uh, not the DVD, but the Blu-ray. If I'm buying Blu-ray on anything, that's some good shit. So, yeah, that's that's a great stuff. Yeah, it is. It is. I was saying I need about seven hours just to sit there and watch it. Uh, Brother Beavis, your feelings on? Disney's Avengers on XD, not the current one. Not the current one? Oh, uh, it was great. One. I was, yeah. uh, the way they sort of, like, crafted the whole, like, first season around the progression of the stories in, like, the first dozen or so episodes was amazing. And, and the, you know, right. and those stories are not great, but the fact that they sort of framed it that way and, and made it work, I thought that was really cool. I thought sort of the slow burn on uh, like introducing new Avengers was was great, but I could like I couldn't wait for more of them though, um, and it was gone too soon. Yeah, yeah. definitely soon. Well, the fact and the, the fact that they replaced it with such a crappy one, and that yeah. kind of goes in the era of kind of Marvel cartoons where they'll have a really good one and then replace it, or the new one is you know. In, in a lot of instances, much more, much inferior to the to the original product. If you go back to Spider-Man, the animated series, um, then the next one you got out of that was was what, Spider-Man 2099 or some version of that, which was yeah, poop, terrible, yeah. Um, terrible. I remember you were trying to get me to watch Spectacular, and yeah. I was like, "What did he tell me to watch?" And I turned on that 2099. I was like, "This, this, is <laughs> I can't, I can't listen to him anymore." He didn't. Yeah. Uh, we were on Facebook together. I'd unfriend you. 
Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, not that one. Yeah, Spectacular is Spectacular is Spectacular. But then, like, I think what X-Men, the animated series, was followed up. And, and you get debate on this, but it's really based on age is uh, X-Men Evolution. I can't fuck with it. But I know some people really, really like that. I don't know how much y'all watch that one. It's not I've never really seen it. It's, okay. it's actually not that. It's not perfect. It's very, it does have a very uh, uh, youth-oriented feel to it. That's, you know, like, hey, what, what the hell am I doing watching this before you get little kids? But it's not terrible either. You know, it's not up there with uh, the first X-Men from uh, on Fox Kids, the one we all love. But, um I mean, you can give it a try. It's 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 uh, it's worth watching. It's worth the most watching. glaring one was when Teen Titans Go replaced Young Justice. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, Young Justice. Yeah, yeah, Young Justice is amazing, or was amazing. It's supposed to come back on the Netflix. I think I heard. Um, yeah, from the Netflix. Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Teen Titans. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get it old school, man. What about when the cars replaced the lions on Voltron? That was shit. <laughs> 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 All right, that's it. All right, so tonight we are uh, continue Marvel Legacy. If you missed last week's podcast, we talked about uh, the big one-shot for Marvel Legacy as Marvel hits Control-Alt-Delete for another reboot. Uh, we picked some random books over the course of each, uh, each podcast. We'll have a Marvel Legacy book uh, that is, you know, whether it's tied into the big story or not about Infinity Stones or whatnot, we're not really sure. But just a couple of books that we enjoy and we'll kind of go through as our as our modern comic portion. And then as we get to the latter part of the second half of the podcast, we'll kick it old school like we did when it was the Thursday night comic book chat and look at it um, a classic X-Men story. Uh, so the first book that I had picked out of that that routine, because I was thinking that we were going to get the classic X, uh, Avengers team out of it, I picked the Avengers. Now, Marvel Legacy goes back to the original numbering, so we're at um, Avengers number 672, written by Mark Wade and uh, drawn by Jesus Saez. Um, it has an interesting cover, uh, It has, but it, it also not just has the Avengers, it also has the champions, and we're going to get into this debate here in a little bit. Um, like each group is kind of fighting, like there's two Earths trying to collide. The title of the book is Worlds Collide, and part one. And everybody's kind of fighting off these two Earths from colliding into one another. Um, that's basically it. So let's do the champions thing up front before we get into the <laughs> I reviewed the, the first issue of Champions, the relaunch of the Champions, which is a teen hero book. Uh, as much, I don't hate it as much as Big Hotch hates teen teams. But I'm really not a big fan of them, uh, and I think Brother Beavis, you had actually mentioned that you might con- you you might read the Champions as one of your books here for Marvel Legacy. So, what's your thoughts on kind of teen teen teenage teams? Yeah, so I think it's you know uh, one of one of the things I always say is the uh, villain makes the story. The other thing is I always say is like when you write a book that's not about you. It, it can go poorly. And so I don't know that Mark Wade has any, you know, I know that's your boy and you guys see movies together and all, but uh, <laughs> I can't, like, I don't think he has anything offered to a teen story because the one I, the ones that I've read is all about teens on their cell phones and about, like, uh, people, like, liking each other but being afraid to say something. And I would contrast that with, like, Miss Marvel when it came out. Like, it was, like, really gave you a feel for 
what somebody's life was as like a teenager and in a Muslim household and the family dynamics. And it, you know, it really had something to say and that was cool. But just, just going to the tropes of like teens are always using their cell phones. I don't, that doesn't do anything for me. Right. Yeah. It, I think it was hashtag champions. Um, was like the big tagline at the end of the first issue. And I'll go to the Morpheus moment for that book in a second <laughs> for me. Um, go ahead, Sandman. What are your thoughts on you were a big Teen Titans person, you and Big Hutch, even in the eighties. So you might have oh, a, yeah. a better look on that. I mean, George Perez was doing it, so he's awesome, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I haven't read champion, so I really can't tell you, uh, like, uh, like if it compares to like Titans or anything like that, you know, yeah, the Titans back in the eighties, that was a really well written book, well drawn because you just said the legendary George Perez stayed on that book for a very long time. And, um, my personal feelings toward them, I mean, I can tolerate it as long as, you know, the, it's written well, I mean, well, that's anybody, but, um, yeah, it's, yeah, whenever you're reading a book where you're not the targeted audience, well, the targeted uh, um, uh, characters, it's a little strange sometimes. So you you got to try to put yourself into the shoes of the uh, the people uh, of the heroes, and they're you know teenagers now. You know you got time displaced teenagers. You got you know a, a cross view of, of the Marvel universe. You got mutants. You got I guess in humans because Miss Marvel, right? Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, altered yeah. humans and stuff. So they're trying to do a cross hatch, which I kind of appreciate. But uh, um, I am going to give it a try uh, as uh, uh, now. Yeah, not my favorite, but you know, I'll definitely give it a try. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, now my interest is actually the revival of the old champions. I want to see if that amounts to anything. Um, <laughs> wow. That's another. That's another case of like that was I talked last week about. Like, we had a stack of odd books, and the champions were in there. And, uh, you know, I, I've i read them. I've read the whole series now, and it's garbage. Uh, <laughs> it was they, they never put talent on it. They never had a cohesive story. There was no real point to the story. But, you know, I'd be, and it's been, like, sort of the, the butt of a lot of jokes in, in some of the modern comics. So I'd be curious to see if it, it amounts to anything. Right. Yeah. Right. It, you you kind of wonder if it's going to suffer the same fate 35 years later. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. they, they put, you know, a crappy writing team on it, a crappy yeah. whatever, and it's just like, a you know, a little if, bit of a one-shot to see that. If there's out. no story to tell, it's going to suck. I mean, yeah. like, yeah. one of the best, one of the best, you know, the, when they split the X-Men books, the X-Factor book, although the art, I thought was, I never really got into Larry Stroman, this, and the team was like, what? But, it was a great book because the writing was great. Um, you can make a great book about Power Pack, about anybody, as long as you have talent on it. Right. Yeah. 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 And again, like Mark Wade, whether he's, ah, shoot, I don't know whether he has a teenage kid or not or whatever. I, I don't really know. Uh, he writes the hell out of my Archie book, but uh, I just, you know, there was, a, there's, a, there's an incident or a. a final page in, I don't know if it was Champions 3 or 4, where uh, Totally Awesome Hawk and Viv, Vision's android daughter, are, like, making out. And I was like, we're done here. You know, yeah. closed it. <clears throat> I, you know, I would have tossed it out the window if I had a chance to. And I was like, well, I'm good. I don't think this is made for me. And, you know, and again, it's not like, I mean, y'all know 
I deal with the regular of that age group on the regular. So it's not like I'm unfamiliar with the tropes. But I was just like, ah, I don't need this in my life or whatever. But in this book, the champions are here with the Avengers. There's an incident in New Jersey, and the Avengers are the first on the scene, and the team has not been split to the traditional white heroes yet. So they are led by Falcon, Vision, uh, Lady Thor, um, who am I missing? Hercules. No, it's he with the champions. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and then the and then the champions do show up. Uh, is well, is it Falcon or Falcon America? No, it's Falcon. He's, and see, that's weird. He's Falcon. He's not Falcon America. And he shows up. Spider-Man is also there. And then the champions are also there as well with uh, Viv, Totally Awesome Hulk, uh, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and then they are led by Miss Marvel and then Nova as well. And the the the, the 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 point or the plot of the story is that there's something like that's in the sky, and Cyclops, by the way, and uh, time displaced Cyclops. And so something's in the sky, and it's on its way, like threatening towards Earth. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to do and how they're going to stop it, and they need to work together. And toes get stepped on, essentially, you know, um, Falcon is the leader of the Avengers, and he wants to step in and do it one way. Ms. Marvel, being leader of the champions, wants to do it another way, and there's this little bit of conflict between the two of them. Um, and that's, I mean, that's basically where the story goes. There's a little bit of thing with Wasp. Uh, there's some thought that there's something with the high evolutionary might be something uh, in this new galaxy that's appearing behind the sun or, or something to that effect. You know, there's a little bit of a bigger story to it, but you're not going to get much of it in this book. Um, you know, uh, go ahead, Sam, and I know you read it as well. Is there anything that you yeah. saw? Um, yeah, it was more of just a setup book. It's just, um, I guess there's on the other side of the sun from Earth, they believe there's a uh, another Earth basically made up, created by the high evolutionary. I don't know if he created it, but uh, mm. his experiments and his um, uh, creations are, I guess, populated by that Earth, and they're trying to get um, proof of it existing, and what I didn't understand is, like, they, they have a satellite that's on that side of the uh, sun so they can see it live, but instead of seeing that, did they just see that meteor just appear out of nowhere? Is that what Yeah. Is that what happened? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, and okay. again, yeah, the plot, again, turns out to, like, how are we going to stop it? And, right. you know, the thought is it's going to hit in Kentucky, and they dispatch the team out there and then both teams wind up there and there's this big argument about how it's going to happen. And, you know, there's some good power team ups about how they do it. You know, they pair people off together, some PIM particles make an appearance because they're going to try to shrink it. Nova tries to uh, slow it down by kind of blasting towards it. Uh, I mean, there's just a whole lot of kind of teamwork, air quotation going on about trying to stop this meteor. But as Sandman said, it's really just a setup book. Like, as I was getting to, it, it, <laughs> it's really one of those photos walking through the earth, uh, walking to Mordor moments. And I was like, wait, what? There's another, there's another movie. What? So, um, yeah. like, I was like, and then you get to the end, and it's like, oh, yeah, this is part one. And then for part two, you got to read Champions number or whatever that is. I'm like, <laughs> that's how they get you. That's how they get you. 
Oh, I can shit. appreciate them actually putting some thought into the application of powers because it seems like the modern books is like just hit harder. I mean, like the answer to every story is like if we could just hit harder, we'd be fine. So <laughs> actually, it's like trying to figure out tag team moves and combos. Uh, uh, that's that's sort of that's what I expect in comics. Yeah, well, uh, there's a couple of double goozle moments then nice. uh, reference um, where. Again, paired up together. I think what's I think what's Vision and and Wasp were paired together. Spider Man was paired with uh, Lady Thor, or no Spider uh, no Lady Thor was paired with Nova as they tried to stop it. Spider Man was paired with Falcon, and it's all these different moments. You know, they hit it with the pin particles, it goes away, but then it comes right back. You know, it, it, it's hurtling towards Earth. It makes its land impact, its impact on Earth after Vision does his little thing, and then it's there. And now they have to decide what they're going to do with it. And so now they're going to dispatch the teams again, and we have this kind of shady look between Falcon and Miss Marvel about who's leading the team. Now, just real briefly, like this version of Miss Marvel is crazy popular. Like it's she's crazy yeah. popular. Um, and I'm and I, and I don't hate it. I don't care for Inhumans. I don't care how like, the creation part of her. I'm not a real big fan of. But they've actually made a character from the, you know, the Plessy versus Ferguson All Stars that actually people care about, like that one and Miles Morales, you know. And she's a big star on that new Disney Avengers cartoon. Mm -hmm. and you watch that one, brother? Either I've seen clips of it. The problem I have is she's featured on that show, but she's like clowny fangirl. Like there's not really depth to her character on the cartoon. Wow. She's just the wide-eyed new superhero. Yeah. And that's not the case. Yeah. And that's not the case in Champions. And even when she was in the Avengers, that really wasn't the case. You know, she's kinda of always no. been able to hold her own and, you know, now she is the lead, as leader of the champions too. And on a team where, you know I guess it would make sense that she would be the leader. You know, the only other person that you can maybe think of would be Cyclops because uh he led the Times Place right. you know, uh X Men. I think um, he's trying to get out of that business. Either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That didn't work out too much for me. Um, but yeah, so uh like I said, there's a couple of team up like Marvel Ultimate Alliance moves. Uh like they try a uh a, a version of the fastball special where Hulk <laughs> totally awesome Hulk and uh Hercules, Hercules. get Yeah, they get blasted into towards the meteor, like Cyclops hits them with the optic blast and pushes them towards the meteor. I'm like, mm know about that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a little bit of a stretch, but that's okay. Um yeah, and so it, I mean that's basically it. Uh the ultimate stop of this thing winds up being Miss Marvel when she gets all big and stuff and is able to stop it. And again, now that it's on the ground they have to decide what they're going to do to it. And Lady Thor feels that, you know, that something's going on with this thing. And she can hear it vibrating, and it's vibrating everywhere like it's an earthquake, and it's messing up with all the early detection systems all over the world, and buildings are, you know, getting prepared for something bad that's going to happen. And, um, you know, by the way, and the artwork is very good in this book, too. I don't know who Jesus Saez is. I've never really heard of him before, but it's actually very well done, very clean, this book is. And, um, right, like I said, yeah, they dispatch, they dispatch the teams all over to these different locations. They leave the Hulk and uh, Hercules to break open the the meteor, 
which they are happy to do, but before they can, it blows up, and out comes, I don't fucking know, a minotaur, wendigo with horns. I don't know what the hell it is. Um, And that's issue one. Okay, so the Avengers are back. Worlds collide, but you can't figure out what happens in World Collide unless you read Champions number 13, uh, which now I have to freaking read because <laughs> now I'm just totally invested in this story. So, yes, yeah, so, uh, again, that hasn't been the return of the, tra- the traditional heroes. From the look of the Marvel Legacy one-shot, we were going to get the traditional heroes back, um, but not quite yet, basically. I don't know, maybe they're saving them for 675, three months from now. Well, the involvement of the High Evolutionary gives them a window to to bring Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch back in the story. Okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that that could be a part of it. Um, I don't know. I mean, like I said, those High Evolutionary books from back in the day, um, no, no, not at all. It was just like a really big mech robot and a lot of exposition. That really didn't make a lot of sense then, and it doesn't really make a lot of sense now. So I'm kind of like, eh. He's like a good, cool hero or villain because he looks cool, but he sucks. Like, yeah, you know, he does. <laughs> yeah. You have you have Galactus as your big, scary robot-looking dude. Like, just leave it at that. You don't need any other one. Um. So yeah, and again, he's also more of a Fantastic Four type thing too. Which yeah. yeah. Again, if you go back to Marvel Legacy. The one shot, uh, that might be telling us something. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that. All right. So that was the Avengers 672. Again, not too terrible. Uh, will I read Champions number 13 for Worlds Collide Part 2? Yes, I will definitely read that um, just because I kind of want to see how this is going to turn out. They should have renumbered Champions. They had 17 in the yeah. in the, in the canon. <laughs> they should have renumbered them. They stopped at 17? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it got that far? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no shit. John Byrne yeah. drew at least one of them, maybe not two. Holy shit. So the early wow. 80s were... Well, they, they had to get a bunch of people in the books that they didn't know what to do with. And what was, and what was that, like Iceman, Ghost Rider, Angel? It was supposed to be Iceman and Angel, like sort of roadshow. And then uh, they were going to add somebody, but, they ended, the, but then the decree came down that like it had to be a team. And so they added Black Widow and and uh, Hercules, and then the wild card character was Ghost Rider, yeah. and then like Dark Star became start of part of it along the way. Black Goliath was in it for like one or two episodes, so it it never made like they never had any real motivation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was like it was like yeah. the Defenders aren't active, X Men isn't active. We got to find something to do with Angel and Iceman. That was yeah. basically it. Pretty much, they were pretty, pretty much unemployed as comic book characters by that time. Because the, the new X Men were probably in, in the scene by that time. So, yeah, quality segue, bro. Um, <laughs> our next book on the night here is Astonishing X Men, which does have Warren Worthington in it. You know, uh, doing his best version of the Incredible Hulk. All right, so real quick on the Astonishing X Men. Um, when you could go back and you could find the archives of our podcast when, uh, what is it, Resurrection, X-Resurrection, when the X-Men books hit their Control-Alt-Delete probably, I guess probably about six months ago now, well, maybe even longer than that, they 
Um, they restart. They split the two. They split the teams into the blue and gold books, which we reviewed on here. We'll talk about uh, uh, that probably at some a different podcast. And then a couple of the other books that we have no intention of reading: uh, Cable and another a new X Force book. Uh, Wolverine is in pretty much all of them. And there's like seven yeah. Wolverine books. Huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. we're gonna get to that too. And then. Yeah. There was this other book, which is Astonishing X-Men. Now, X-Men Gold is kind of like the um, giant-sized X-Men team, essentially, and the more classic lineup with Kitty Pryde leading Storm, Colossus, Nightcrawler, and uh, Logan, Old Man Logan, and a bunch of scrubs. And then X-Men Blue is the the time-displaced original team um, with uh, now a some version of, James Hudson Wolverine, whatever type character that also sucks. And then this version <laughs> of the team was like, right. so, so what has happened essentially is Astonishing X-Men has become the team for people that like the X-Men, the animated series, essentially. Like the 90s because, team. Yeah, the 90s, yeah, the 90s X-Men team. And so all of those characters that you really didn't see in any of the other X-Books, and they had really been kind of off the reservation, so to speak, Rogue, uh, who had been kind of kind of like in the Avengers, Gambit, who had been kind of nowhere to be found. No, um, yeah, nobody cared either. Yeah, um, uh, who else is in this? Mystique is in it. That's a whole other story. Beast, uh, Phantom X uh, is in this, but he's that's because he's with Gambit. Um, and and uh, Psylocke. And, Did you say Bishop. Beast? So, beast. Okay. Beast. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a maggot is here. Yeah. Um, well, Grant Morrison, <laughs> as bad as maggot was, Grant Morrison brought us some winners too. So, <laughs> Zorn, Zorn, yeah. <laughs> Crap, that whole deal was set fire to all of it. All right, uh, so that is your team here. That makes up this book. And so over the first few issues, we're going to review issue four now, but just, uh, and I know Brother Beavis is up to date on all of them now, so I kind of come back to it. Basically, there's a story that's in, and I reviewed it for BrothersComics.com. You can go back and read it there, issue one. Basically, there's an incident in Paris. The X-Men respond. Um, the telepaths are being getting taken off one by one, um, and they respond to it. And the, long story short, the Shadow King is picking off telepaths. And there's a huge reveal at the end of issue one where Professor Xavier is alive, or, or so we assume or think, that he's being held captive by the Shadow King. And then the next couple of issues are really just about the X-Men going on to the astral plane to fight the Shadow King. Um, that's pretty much it. Anything that I miss, Brother Beavis? No, it's all one story. I mean, it's... Yeah. That they're still playing it out. Yeah, and, and and you know we're getting up to now. This is issue four. You would uh you would kind of come to think that there'd be a version of conclusion of this at the next issue, especially as we go through this issue. Uh, but written by Chris Soleil, drawn by uh, what's that? Will Spatech? No, Pacheco. Carlos Pacheco. Carlos Pacheco. Okay, so um, okay. no, he's old school. Uh, the cover, at least the cover that I have, is. Uh, Mystique sitting essentially on a, a Game of Thrones thing with, full of skulls. Um, yeah. It's actually a pretty cool cover. Um, and then this is this is the review for this book. Um, so at the end of 
issue three, the Shadow King is doing his best to take control of the characters on the astral plane, and he's having a hard time doing it because Charles is fighting him every way. He thinks Charles is not being able to do that, but Charles is much stronger than he believes, even though that he's captive. But um, unfortunately, he's not able to stop him from getting into Old Man Logan. And Old Man Logan is actually back into the real world and off the astral plane, and he's going in to try to kill everybody. Um, and that's basically where we start with this book. Uh, they see that he's there. Angel is on the team as well, constantly shirtless. And um, <laughs> But he, he does, and again, I don't know when this happened, so that's, it's a Wikipedia. He has the power of Archangel now, but he keeps it in check like Bruce Banner and the Hulk. Like, because if he lets it out, you know, bad things happen. You know, then he wakes up, and then there's this music playing. It's like, ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and his shorts are all torn up. So um, <laughs> that's basically that. And then now they know that he's been taken, um, he's been taken captive by the Shadow King. And so now they have to, they are charged with trying to stop him. Angel, Bishop, and Psylocke. Um, Anybody? <laughs> man, man, is that a good team to try to stop uh, old man Logan? Even old man Logan? <laughs> yeah, kind of a just all team of, uh, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, first of all, Angel, what, what, when did this happen? I mean, I'm not up to date on some of these X-Men books right now. but it, And you said he, Archangel with the blue skin and the, and the uh, little pointy wings he you know he had on the back that he could fold yeah, up. Yeah, he can he he can turn into that character, but he it, he has a hard time controlling it again in a very Hulk like fashion. So yeah. that's that in check. Um, yeah. So yeah, that, he yeah. doesn't want to convert. <laughs> well, because they're like, oh, well, there's one person that could take him down. It's Archangel, but he might have a chance. But he's afraid the Archangel will not set him free. So no, he doesn't want to yeah. turn back into the Hulk, Blue Hulk. So. Yeah, that's kind of weird. And, and, uh, and uh, speaking of Bishop, I didn't know his first name was Lucas, by the way. I mean, come on, y'all, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that kind of pissed me off when I read that a little bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of, a, kind of a bizarre lineup, to, uh, <laughs> to say the least. But, uh, hey, Bishop had a nice little segment where he landed, what um, saved himself. He's falling out of, out of the skyscraper plummeting toward his death, and he uses his powers to slow himself down. And yeah, he that was that. very comic booky. Again, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. Bad yeah, no it was funny. It yeah, yeah, and he let and, and, Logan, uh, old man Logan almost you know fall to his death, but you know since he's Logan, he gets right the hell back up. But I thought that was funny. Yeah. And we can kind of, just go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I was pretty much done. I was just okay. We, I mean, we can look at Bishop too as a character from early design and why he was there to kind of where he is now, which is really. I mean, if if he were not in this book, he would be a a a, a really a bit outside character anymore. Based yeah. on his nineties appearance, you would have kind of not pegged that, and you know, kind of once the traitor storyline kind of ran its course. He really didn't have much left to be there for, really, you know, other yep. than, you know, to be, you know, in a sense, kind of black able. Time displays, um, not really sure what the future holds for him, and, you know, kind of big guy with guns, you know, big black guy with guns. And 
you know, now, as we go, and again, as we've gone through a little bit of the modern comics, you know, we re-ran him down into the ground on, uh, what, the Civil War, where he was, because yeah. um, <laughs> he was kind of a sellout, and, you know, he got curb stomped by Captain America, and, you know, there's it, not a really a whole lot for him to do. So this is probably the best thing for Bishop, right, Brother Beavis, to be at least this version of the X-Men book, because he doesn't fit with any of the other teams. Yeah, they try to play up, like, his military or policing background. I think he was, like, a special investigator or some. Like, he's had a lot of bullshit story. I mean, he's got a good power set. He's got a power set, particularly, that allows him to tell, like, you know, have have crazy endings to stories for using his powers and stuff like that. And, you know, he just, he kind of, like, they never really gave a good reason for him to be on the team now other than he's stuck back in the past, essentially. So... Like, you know, I think that just, if they could just find a way to make him part of the team and just sort of go along with everybody, that might be best rather than trying to somehow make him, you know, give him his own agenda or whatever. So, but yeah, it's just, it's a hard for, I think, for him and the, or the character at least. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's always been, you know, he's one of the few black characters that are out there. He's finally done with the mullet Jerry curl. That helped. Uh, um, one of the several named Lucas, but that's yeah. not the <laughs> yeah. yeah. Very possibly. Uh, <laughs> but did not have a, a fire fire power, like, or got his power from any lightning of any sort. That's so true. that's a difference. Right. Uh, so, yeah, the, so the characters are, they're fighting against Low Man Logan, uh, uh, Professor X appears to them. And they're like, "What? What you doing? You can't be alive!" Like, well, uh, right now, that's not the, that's not the issue. <laughs> um, the issue is trying to stop Logan. And you know, the fight goes on. He tells him that Bestie's got the best shot. She's like, "Well, I got all these niggas on the astral plane. How am I supposed to be fighting, dude?" <laughs> and he's like, "Well, you better figure out something." And you know, there's a you know a, several pages of fighting on and on and on and on. And you know, I mean, again, the book is. I mean, that might sound like I'm ripping it. I actually enjoyed this book a lot. Uh, of the three X books, this is by far my favorite one. Um, I've actually kind of turned the page to X-Men Gold now. I can at least, it's serviceable. Uh, before, I wasn't really feeling it too much. But, you know, you're, you're kind of on the recatch here, Brother Beavis. What do you think about Astonishing four issues in? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say because they really haven't got through their first story arc. So it's not real clear what they are yet. And uh, I haven't read enough of Blue to sort of get through that either. Um, so, I, I, you know, I think it, it – I, I really want to know what they're going to do with Professor X. Yeah. That is safe. Well, yeah, but I, I definitely think it's him. I, I think it's – and we talked about this on this podcast for a couple of years now. It's like, well, he sucks. Like, you can't yeah. you have him on the team with his inability to walk – he just sucks, uh-huh. and I don't think there's any. I don't think anybody missed Xavier. I mean, yeah, it was, you know, they hot shotted the title onto Tommy Rich for five days. You brought, you like, oh shoot, there's freaking, you know, there's um, yeah, Google Tommy Rich. There's freaking Professor Xavier, and it's like, okay, great, but and like, I mean, he I might be essential to this story, but after that, yeah. then what? I was thinking actually, if they so if they figure out a way, if this ends up where they've defeated the Shadow King. And Professor X becomes the dominant force on the astral plane. And he's like there, you know, now he doesn't have to manifest a physical body, but they can bring him into stories periodically with people that can go into the astral plane. And he can be like a consultant for him. Um, I, I don't think that would be terrible. 
<laughs> when he's been directly on the team, particularly disrupting the, whoever's trying to lead the team, that's usually where it falls apart. Or when he's been, uh, you know, wearing big socks and trying to hook up with Lilandra. I mean, you know, that's, I don't think we have much use for that. But I think there's a way where they could have him in the story but out of the way that wouldn't necessarily be bad. Right. You missed you missed uh, you missed one big joke and then one other one. Uh, one you missed the fact that um, so wait so Xavier is going to be the the dude in the chair. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and you also missed Xavier. He also shows up for cot blocking. Um, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, don't forget about his cot blocking abilities. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, and that would be better. That would be better than having him like out there in front on the team and then having conflict with whoever's the leader of this team. Uh, I, it really hasn't really been established um, yet. Uh, I'm not sure who the leader of this team is. Uh, yeah, I, I think I it's, it's Rose by default. But yeah, they, yeah, they did sort of make a point where like they had to vote because nobody could decide who to follow. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but but the book just kind of goes on. You know, the Shadow Kings creating these moments of, you know, bliss for these people on the astral plane. Uh, Mystique is with Phantom X. Um, she's saying that she's controlling this moment, you know, whatever. They're there. There's a, a little bit of a weird, intimate moment between them two. Um, the, the other group of people. If you've, got, if you've got it in front of you, I'd like to draw your attention to the second page of the Mystic, Mystique Phantom X storyline, upper left hand um, box. Okay. I think that's Jennifer Lawrence. I mean, I think. <laughs> yeah, <it> <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. we've we've seen the influence of the cinematic world. I think I think somebody uh, modeled that drawing off Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. No comment. Um, yeah. 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 So, um, before we get to the next group of people that are on the astral plane, there's the moment with. Uh, Sandman was talking about where Bishop gets a little moment to show his powers in a way that we've kind of never really seen him before. Uh, but it doesn't really matter because nobody can stop old man Logan. The other person on the astral plane, our other couple, is the eternal couple of uh, Rogue and Gambit. They play it out themselves really for all of us to see. Like every time we do this shit, it don't work. So but he's given, the Shadow King's given them the moment and the opportunity to be like, look, you know, y'all can touch each other. Y'all can smash finally. Finally, y'all can do it. Just do it, you know, and that would give in to their most basic desires and give him a chance to actually take over their their um, bodies, their yeah. psyches or whatever and take them over. Um, but, again, they understand and know, both of them, that this is what's going on on the astral plane, and, you know, they don't fall for it either. And so I put in our, our little movie notes there or our outline notes that, there was some comic book move, or comic book news this week that Rogue and Gambit are getting their own book in January. Um, I'm going to assume it, I think it is called Rogue and Gambit, um, mm-hmm. and they're going to have a book. Uh, I have no idea what this book could possibly be about beyond a short three or four issue miniseries, but they're getting their own book. So I put mm-hmm. in the notes there. What do you think about that? But then secondly. But okay, go ahead. What do you think about that, Sam? Man, like Rogue and Gambit as a as a monthly series. Like, who is the audience for that book? As a monthly series, I don't see it. I mean, yeah, just like you said, who who are they going for in this? I mean, they've been trying to 
they've been toying with Rogan and the Gambit getting together on and off forever, and they never they never stay with it. So I don't know who they're gonna like. Uh, this is a short term thing, in my opinion. It's just uh, another another five years. They'll come back with another book, probably with them trying to do something or and another book. So eh, it don't do nothing for me, brother Beavis. Well, I think that. Uh, I think the best thing for the movie, if it ever happens, the best thing for the Gambit movie would be to have Rogue in it and start to tell that story there and bring that into the movies. Uh, you know, it, just like in comics and, and everything, you know, every every form of, uh, you know, for the TV or movies, it's you have these will-they-won't-they they couples, and as soon as they do, no one cares anymore. So you can only string it along... And so, what is if, if there's a, if there's a story just about them, a book with them too? Then how do you keep them from getting together or from being a couple? And if they're not a couple, why are they together? So I don't, yeah, I just don't know how it works. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's just, I think, I just don't think that they like it. Just doesn't make any sense for sure as a monthly. But I don't know that it makes any sense even at all, especially if you're going to have them in this book as a it together. You could tell that story over as freaking has been told over thirty years or twenty five years now anyway. You can uh-huh. just tell it in this book. Like I don't know who the, the target audience is. Yeah. But then the other thing this and this has come up on a little bit on Twitter here as the Gambit movie had a little bit of movie news where I think Daniel Day that Daniel Day Lewis, Daniel Daniel Craig was rumored right. to play Mr. Sinister or whatever. And, you know, people are like, Oh, that's gonna be dope. I was like, Man, he ain't he never happened. He ain't tying his career to that freaking movie. And well, the new, there was news today that Gore Verbinski is rumored to be the new director. Lord yeah. have Jesus Christ. Okay, so that's even worse yet. Okay, but on top of that... That was, means Johnny was, Depp would have to be in it. So. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, so on top of that, as I was saying, you know, so what, what... Not even what Gambit story would they even tell, but... Gambit doesn't, he's so popular, but I think it's from the cartoon. He has no real story in the comics that you could be like pointing to and be like, oh yeah, this was the time where Gambit was the shit. His biggest story is Traitor, which he wasn't. He wasn't the traitor. And his other story is the 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 the, the, the retcon thing about the mutant massacre. I mean, it, right. like, seriously, Brother Beavis, help me out here. Like, why is he... Not even why. Yeah, why is he so damn popular? I mean, and I like the character, but why is he so yeah. damn popular? He hasn't done uh, shit in the book. Yeah, I mean, I I think I don't know if it's. Well, I would say that there there are people that like him, and I think there are people that think of him as almost like epitomizing the '90s in a terrible way, like Cable would. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think he's he probably appeals to comic book fans because it seems like he gets tail. Uh, (laughs) and it it may be as simple as that and I think for a while he was part of the appeal was he had a mysterious background and then the more you the more you quote unquote dig into that background there's not as much there and so you know his but his his, you're right his solo stories are thin he doesn't really have like a rogues gallery of his own the thieves assassins guild is only is only good because of the terrible voices voices that were in the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. I just can't. 
I think it's just because he gets tail. Yeah, I mean, it could be that. You know, he's got an accent. You know, okay. Yeah. I mean, and his power set is cool. When he delivers his powers, that's cool. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think when he delivers his powers, that's cool. But other than that, like, I'm telling you, like, there's just not a, like, a, oh, let's point to this Gambit story. Not even the tale as a movie, just even in the comics. Like, oh, well, well uh, yeah. Well, that was, yeah. Well, he was there. I mean, he's like, yeah, I just, I never got it. But, yeah, yeah, I think there's, like, scenes, right? But what's the story? Yeah. Like, there's a story, there's a scene where he blasts Gladiator with a whole deck of cards. And Gladiator is, like, the big heel that, that everyone gets over, you know, to get their push. And he takes out Gladiator with a whole deck of cards. Awesome couple panels, but it wasn't a Gambit story. Right. Yeah. He's a secondary character. Yeah, secondary. Maybe not the same kind, but, yeah. Tertiary. All right. So, all right. So, yeah. So, that, that, and then we'll start to wrap up this book, too, because really all it is is just a bunch of flashback scenes to between the astral plane with Phantom X and Mystique having, like, moments and Gambit and uh, Rogue having thoughts about their moments as well, too, just about, you know, what they should do and based on their history and whatnot before Xavier pulls them out of the astral plane. Well, not out of the astral plane, but out of their the little dreams that sh- uh, the Shadow King has for them, and gets pulled three of them there. But he doesn't have uh, Remy, doesn't have Gambit there. Um, and then the, in between that, um, they're still fighting off uh, Old Man Logan, and they're having a hard time still defeating him. Um, Can you help me out with Phantom X? Uh, I got nothing, bro. Um, yeah, why he's there with Gambit? He's a he's a thief. He used to he had didn't he had like a ship or something? Didn't he have like a sentient ship? I think uh, I think if, if I remember correctly, because uh, this was all Grant Morrison stuff. Like the ship was his nervous system, which was external to his body. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Yeah, I, I think that was the case. Wow, I don't know what yeah. his powers were, and he came out of nowhere and. I don't know. I don't know. To me, he's almost like a cross between Deadpool and Cable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then that's not a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds. That sounds. Yeah, that wasn't a compliment, sir. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And then he's there with Gambit because Gambit stole something from him. Right. And he's trying to get it back. That's basically it. But it, of all the people that are on this team maybe besides Mystique, and maybe that's the reason they're all booed up, is they don't make any sense on the team, you know, about what they necessarily offer to the team um, uh-huh. in and of itself. You know, and so it's, yeah, it's not great. Um, yeah, it's not great. Uh, so, yeah, the book the book ends with uh, Gambit, uh, all black-eyed, like his, you know, his eyes, like he wasn't able to get, uh, Xavier wasn't able to free him from the Shadow King. And now Gambit is going to be, I guess, in this issue, ready to go fight. Yeah, Yeah. go bad. Well, with Wolverine, which is, I mean, okay, I guess. You know, whatever. And that's the other thing, too. It's like, okay, now we're at issue five of the Shadow King story. Like, how how many more issues you got of this, to be honest with you? You know, because, like, we need to get to the wrap-up, like, really quickly here. Because, you know, it's been going on for, again, now it'll be five issues. Um but overall, like I said, I enjoy this book more than the other two. Like, I really do. 
Like it, it, it feels more like an X Men comic book than the other two do. Even though the other yeah. one is full of classic X Men, uh, Gold is full of classic X Men. It still doesn't feel like an X Men book. I read issue, I guess, twelve today, that it's on, and I was just like, it's in Gold, and I mean, they have Blue and Gold together because they're starting an apocalypse story, and um, you know, it has, it, you know, it has, they try to throw these little throwback moments, like oh, everybody's playing baseball, and then something bad happens, like it always does. And I'm like, okay, that's, yeah, that's a cute little throwback. But in overall, like, the book just doesn't feel like an X-Men book. Um, the substance would be better than nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, that would help. Yeah, that would help. Kitty should not be leading the team, but that's all. Oh, yeah. Go back and listen to any podcast that we've ever done. All right. So yeah, so uh, but yeah, brother, Beaver, so you you're okay with this book? You're okay with Astonishing X Men just as a as a whole? Yeah, I mean it's it you know this thus far this could be a mini series you know so uh, it's not clear how the team is going to be established and who's going to stay or who else might go or what they're why they're together. Um, so, but I mean it's it, it's 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 comic booky in a way that a lot of things aren't comic booky like goofy use of powers and, and this sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's good. So as we shift to our classic X-Men story for the week, um, this will wind up being a two-part series. Um, just, there's, a, there's a funny story that I don't want to tell because I'd like to stay living in the house that I'm in. But we almost recorded this podcast at another time. It just, <laughs> it's right, at the, right at the record session, things just went south. So, um, yeah. So we've been, been holding off Genosha for a while, and you'll hear my little sounder here for Gambit, of course, when he was on Genosha and X-Men, the animated series. Uh, but we're going to do this uh, in two parts before we get to Inferno. So it'll be Genosha Part 1 and Part 2, Genosha Part 1 tonight, Part 2 will be that, and then we'll get to Inferno as our classic X-Men story um, in a couple of weeks. But for me, I, in, in thinking about Genosha, one, uh, at my day job, there's a student that I deal with whose name is Genosha, which freaks me out every freaking week. It's not so insane, but every time I have that a deal with crazy. him, like, I know your parents like cartoons. Two, um, I never, these books I read way later on, maybe even after X-Men the Animated Series came on, okay? So I, I came into this came way, way late. And so even now, having read them a bunch of times, because we were all did, almost did this once, and then I read them again today, Okay, like, I got a lot of stuff to say. Um, so, yeah, so we're headed to Genosha. Uh, Sam, and did you remember reading these in the past or before, or just uh, this first time reading it for this? Yeah, I think I actually had these on the first run. Uh, I, this is when I was actually collecting X-Men because, correct uh, me if I'm wrong, this is Mark Silvestri uh, that's drawing yeah. this. Uh, this is Leonardi. Well, Leonardi. Already two thirty six at Sylvester. Okay, yeah. I, ironically, I just watched a documentary with uh, uh, Image Comics with him. It's actually pretty good with uh, our enemy topic, Farland. But I, I do recommend it. By the way, it's on YouTube. Um, okay. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, you know, it's a. I I read, gathered Claremont is still writing this because it's a man. Oh yeah. a lot of. God, it is yeah. amazing how much how much dialogue that man can fit into these little square panels. I mean, it's... <laughs> and, yeah, and it, it takes a while. I mean, you got to... 
take a deep breath and just plunge into it because it is uh, it is dense as always. But uh, a lot of information being exchanged. But uh, yeah, um, it's yeah, it's, it's, busy, it's, it's a, good. It's, it's a payday shit worth of reading in there. Oh, <laughs> go get your money's worth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah not money's talk, worth payday. Um, yeah, yeah, but. but yeah, I just, Brother Beavis, you, this would have been right almost in your wheelhouse of getting books again, I would think. Well, so when I, right when I started buying, like, the with the crossover that had come out, like, six months prior to that was the one with uh, was the Extinction Agenda, which, mm. uh, which is where Havoc is an agent of the magistrates. And so I got introduced to Genosha, like, right off the bat and then sort of went kind of in reverse to get back to this point. But yeah, this is where they've, I, I think we talked about a while ago, like, I think they they hit a mode where they're starting to sort of restock the villain roster. We've got the Reavers and the Marauders now, and then Genosha becomes, uh, you know, part of this as well. Yeah. And, we'll, and I'll get to the magistrate here when we get into the book about, you know, um, it's, it's, this is a huge push um, without any... Um, like lead up to it at all is Goldberg esque, because um, mm. I mean yeah. But anyway, so the book starts off with it's going to be a, a, a it's really the beginning of Superman, um, where there's a gentleman trying to get his baby off of Krypton before he gets destroyed and killed, and he's able to do that uh, and gets his baby off into a plane before the bad guys show up. Um, you know, there's talk about, you know, people like you and you're going to go meet Martha and Kent and uh, when you get to Smallville. It's basically the Superman the departure of the baby. And we get the magistrates to show up, whereas you see them more in shadow at first. Uh, and they talk about, you know, this thing about being gene jokes. And I put in the notes with this as we get to the, to the part here. This was written in 1986, 87. So we're right in the middle of apartheid, almost to the end, or you know, still like maybe five or six years before it falls. And so this has a very apartheid feel to it about you know, Afrikaners and and the blacks uh, in South Africa being like a, a a majority group in that sense, but maybe not here, but definitely being kind of run off of whatever they own and taking everything from them and making them work for you know, air quotation, the man. Um, so there's, there's some, there's some moments here later that are really, really kind of awful. Let's go ahead. Yeah. I mean, this, I think this is where they start to expand the, the mutants as a, as a stand in for a discussion about racism where, you know, a lot of it stemming from Magneto and, and probably because the writers was about, um, you know, the, the oppression of Jews, and, and we know Kitty Pride was a stand-in for a lot of that. And this is really starting to expand that narrative to some of the other things going on in the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so, uh, so the, the bulk of that is is that he's able to get his son onto a plane, and it takes off. It winds up in, with the baby wound up in Australia, where the X-Men are, just to recap where we are with this. The last thing we did was on the brood, uh, the return of the brood and the X-Men defeating the brood in Colorado, and black people don't go camping. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, and when sharks land in the sky, you don't, like, run in danger. But, um, yeah. Um, 
the the X-Men are back in Australia. They can get to wherever they can uh, using Gateway uh, to, you know, kind of shuttlefold them there with his bowler rock or whatever. And so, yeah, so the X-Men are in Australia. The baby winds up in Australia. And then now the Retree team for Genosha uh, has come to capture the baby. They've set up this, like, a little bit of an elaborate plot to get the baby back. And then what is it? The, is it the press gang? The press yeah. gang, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you got um, this lady and these two dudes. One, the black lady is the muscle. And um, that's about it. Yeah, and then there's two dudes, one technical dude. Now, can we talk about how the, um, the the press gang was on the Internet and stuff? They got modems and shit. Like, damn. <laughs> right. Well, they have no modem. The only reason they can get anything better than dial-up speed is he's a mutant. So. <laughs> there's no way you have the bandwidth to transmit a whole person over the Internet back in that day. <laughs> I mean, the late 80s, yeah. Yeah, it ain't gonna work. Noted. Hold up, bitch. We're science. They built a whole fucking lady now. Shut up. No, that ain't true. They they tapped into, like, massive supercomputers, and they built a whole lady. So, stop it. That's that's true. You're right. Yeah. (laughs) So... Uh, so anyway, the part of this is that uh, Madeline Pryor has taken a side. The X-Men have left Madeline Pryor uh, like Cyclops left her. See, they left her in a dungeon with computers, and um, except for a save for a couple of moments, and I don't know if it's after this or before this. I can't remember her. Like, it, we joked about it, like, um, a little bit. We, we joked about it, like, you know, if this was Cyclops, he would have totally dicked down Alex's woman. Um, like Alex has some moments with Madeline that are inappropriate because that's his freaking sister-in-law. Um, yeah. they talk on each other, they're kissing and hugging, and he's very sensitive about what happens to her in this book as well. But since they're out doing their worldly adventures, she's been stuck in Australia with Gateway. She even tried to give J- Gateway some pussy, and he was like, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, she tried to give it up to him. Yeah, he yeah she did. Forever. He don't even notice me. Like, golly, man. Gateway is like, I don't need them problems. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever seen Rosewood? <laughs> Actually, he was like, he was like, I'll fuck with white bitches. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> I got a problem. I'm going to listen to this six months from now and be like, why do y'all let me talk? On these podcasts, <laughs> um, so yeah, so they Madeline takes a a, a side gig flying planes. The lady that escaped off of Genosha for a reason that'll be explained later. Jenny Ransom is also there. She's a nurse. They lure them back to Australia, um, or they are in an area in Australia. The press gang captures them, uh, takes Jenny Ransom. Jenny's supposed to be back in Genosha because she is, uh, she has a, the latent mutant gene, and since she has that, she has to be captured by the state and then forced to be uh, a mutant slave. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Madeline, Madeline Pryor is just there along for the ride, really. She just gets caught up in this in this moment. Go ahead. Sorry if anybody was trying to talk to me. I think it's kind of a stretch that she's tied into this, but whatever. So Madeline, <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, pretty much. 
Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's just a, a standard villains catching people thing. You know, it's just a standard kidnapping. Uh, everybody gets pulled out, and they get <laughs> modemed and interneted all the way back to Genosha with, um, what's that dude's name? Pipeline? Is that, is that what his name is? The, the, the modem? Of the press the internet. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Pipeline, punch out, is the chick. And I don't know who the other guy is. Okay. Hey, uh, question. This is not the same uh, black chick that you use, but uh, Magneto's act lights, right? No, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. it's ironic. It's pretty much the same character. Uh, well, the design is very similar. I don't yeah. think it is, although it may very well be, but I don't think it is. Yeah, because that character was all the way back to uh, X Factor, um, the original X Men team back in the beginning. So, yeah, I can't even think of that name right now, but yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, there's a joke in there about all black people looking alike. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I was trying not to, like, not say it, and I was like, oh, shit, I just, I already just I think, a little here, didn't I? Yeah. That's they terrible. said it for us. You didn't have to. Um, yeah, no shit. So, yeah, uh, so the X Men when they finally notice that Madeline is missing, um, <laughs> it's like, hey, damn, I'm not here. Yeah, yeah. So there's this, all, all this about them. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, hey, Gateway, open it up a portal. Okay, well, I'm gonna take three of y'all. Then we go investigate. Uh, we'll go sniff around some stuff. Okay, yeah, this is what happened. All right, well, let's go back to get the rest of these niggas. All right, so they go back. Let me explain to y'all what happened. Okay, now, Gateway, it's like, come on, man. Y'all couldn't have just, everybody couldn't have went, like, I mean, at the same time. So, mm. yeah, then everybody gets to go back, and then they wind up in, in back, it's just back in Australia, because it gets weird. Like, like they, I, they don't go to Genosha yet. They wind up in Australia, back there, um, trying to figure out where everybody is. And they do a lot of, and Wolverine does some sniffing around to try to find out. And then somehow him and Rogue are paired up together, and they are going to be the only, really, the two X-Men that have the biggest plot line here. I, I, y'all like them as a team together? I would read a book with Rogue and Wolverine before I would read a book with Rogue and Gambit. Yeah, I agree. I do, because they're both kind of like, um, they're both kind of prickly, <laughs> you know what I mean? So they kind of, uh, uh, a little more natural together. Because if yeah, you remember, they, Wolverine did not care for her at the beginning when she was brought into the team by Xavier and yeah. over uh, all their protests way back in the Paul Smith era. But, uh, yeah, so it's it's a unique dynamic between them, I think. Yeah, we did a podcast on those issues for sure. Yes, um, yep. So, yeah, so they find out where they are, um, and then a, and a fight ensues with the press, the gang, and um, Rogue and Wolverine. And uh, Rogue winds up stealing her powers. Um, and, I mean, it's it's really just this thing when they wind up getting captured after they fight against the magistrates. Now, what I was saying about the magistrates earlier, they are built up into a huge, I guess a huge heel that has beaten nobody, really, that we're just supposed to respect immediately, Brother Beavis, like off the stop. They're just freaking, like, just stopo nobody's really i mean there's they don't have any superpowers they're just supposed to be i guess better trained military people and i'm like why would the x-men fear any of these people based on the fact that they've beaten much more like formidable foes before yeah i mean they they do kind of get a push and and uh 
I think part of it is they, they do a lot of catching by surprise, and plus once they're able to split up the team. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and the, the powered ones, like Pipeline has a utility power, Punch-Out's just a brick, and it's not clear to me that the other guy even has power. So, yeah, it, they, they, they do. It, it does seem a little bit like a stretch that they, they do get so over on the X-Men. Right, and they also, like, talking like they 15-time world champions. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> well, I think, too, really, I mean, you, it, the odd part of this also a little bit is, you know, clearly they've been doing this for a while, and it's it's only because Madeline picked up a side job that the X-Men found out about it. Um, so that I think that's part of that, too, is this has been going on for a while, or at least we're led to believe that, so... Yeah, I mean, and I know Genosha becomes a bigger thing, like, over the course of time in the comic books, you know. And like I said, I never really got that until, like, they went to Genosha um, on the X-Men yeah. animated series. Like, I really, yeah. like, I just, because I, I hadn't even read the books. Like, I was so far behind in that regard. I was just like, okay, Genosha. But then later on, you know, Magneto takes it over. It becomes that mutant haven, and it gets what, blown up the fuck up. Like, it was just like, all these, yeah. The Genosha's become, like, a, almost a trope, to be honest with you, with the X-Men books at, at a point anymore. Oh. Well, I think, you know, part of the problem, and uh, if you guys haven't seen The Inhumans, I strongly recommend against it. But <laughs> it's... You know, you have a society that that is just unsustainable and doesn't make sense. Um, right. Whether you want to say just from a philosophical perspective, but just even from a logistical perspective. And so, you know, the fact that this thing exists in allegedly the modern world of comics, it just—it's almost like not even built to last. It's like, right. wait a minute, the the mutates have all the power. Why are they all? You know, why why is this? Why is everything upside down? And so it, it's almost like built not to last. Yeah. I mean, in the yeah. end, like I said, it's drawing parallels from apartheid where you have a majority group controlled by a minority, a very small minority, but a very uh, powerful and very militarized minority, you know, where yeah. they experiment on people to, you know, keep them under control. You know, and again, you know, I can see the parallels again from 1980, whatever this was written, and it is being a probably way more progressive than people probably give it credit for in that sense. Um, but they also play upon, you know, some of the tropes or whatever. And just sticking with the book here, you know, the other X-Men that aren't involved in this getting a battle with the magistrates, um, they beat them because they're not powered, unpowered freaking um, villains yeah. here. Like, I mean, freaking Longshot could have taken all these dudes out. Like, I mean, by himself, he didn't need anybody's help. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Um, So, yeah, there's, you know, there's this battle that ensues, and eventually these guys all wind up getting caught by the Australian government before we end, like, this particular issue. But, like, just overall, you know, I, I think the story probably has a bigger or a deeper meaning than they probably initially thought. Like, I, you know, I could see Claremont, and he probably had a very long story about why this should happen when he explained it to whoever he explained it to. Then uh-huh. they were probably just like, whatever, man, just do whatever you got to do. 
And like I think it has, it has a much deeper story to it. I would love to ask him about it, but I don't have 45 minutes probably <laughs> because it would take forever. Uh, he's going to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask, he's going to tell you. So be careful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it would be very careful. So, yeah. So 235 really ends with the mat- with the magistrates being caught. Um, Rogue and Wolverine got hit by some sort of uh, blast that knocked them both unconscious, which had to be a pretty powerful blast uh, to knock, you know, those two unconscious. And they wind up getting captured, and Pipeline sends them back to Genosha. And um, that's, like, that's really the end of 235. You know, yeah, Rogue gets sucker punched. Punch-Out gets her powers back, and then she sucker punches Rogue. That's what happened to Rogue. Okay. They hit Wolverine with something else then? Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah. the other thing you're supposed to assume is these are this is like you said a highly militarized group that's used to dealing with mutants, and so they have powers and or they, you know they have vase, I guess is what we're yeah. saying. Right. I mean, and again, two thirty-five. Like these, and you when you look at the covers for these, um, this is that in that time where X Men was uh, it was going it was two, it was every two weeks again. So Rick Leonardi is the the backup artist for Mark Silvestri. And so 235 is him, but then when we get to 236, it's back to um, the much better artist, Mark Silvestri. Yeah. It has one of the coolest X-Men covers with um, yeah. with Rogue and, and Wolverine Rogue hanging and Wolverine. Like, like fish yeah. and being posed yeah. uh, with. Uh, very, very cool. Um, but, yeah, so we're getting into uh, to 236. Um, like I said, I... I the cover is so freaking cool. I'd love like to have that as like a poster somewhere. Goodness, uh, I mean, I would say Leonardi has a much looser style. Uh, I think he went on to do some Spider-Man stuff. He's not necessarily bad, but he's not no, personal best. Yeah. No, he's not yeah. up to the best. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, do you, I mean, hey, you don't, don't you don't want to follow freaking Jordan? You know, yeah. I mean, you don't be that yeah. dude. Like, you know, I'm like, just oh, saying, yeah, we, we do a lot of hating on here. I'm just trying to, you know, make sure that it's not. I'm trying to give out a little bit of love. Yeah, right. no, I wasn't dissing him. I'm just saying that he's not Mark. I'm, he, I'm sure he knows he's not Mark Sylvester. Um, yeah. But uh, the book opens uh, with this big old battle, like, inside there where Rogue and Wolverine is butt-ass naked and um, beating up magistrates, which they should be doing because the magistrates suck. Um, so they're, they're humans, uh, yeah, yeah, they're just humans. I mean, they're just yeah. kicking the crap out of them. That that first one there, where Wolverine's hitting that blonde dude, and he's all frosty. <laughs> 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 he was unconscious before he hit the ground, man. He was <laughs> way he out. Is, he is out on his feet. Or oh my out. god, that's right. hilarious. Uh, I've been looking at that all day. I was like, god, that's awesome. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So the magistrates, they don't know what to do. Like, it's very um, kind of Keystone Cops. They're trying to fight, and they keep getting knocked all over the place. So they're like, all right, you know, run away, run away. <laughs> and they get out, and they think they got out. They come back again. They Wolverine goes his claws through the door in a very Phantom X, Phantom, uh, Phantom Menace type style with his claws through the door. They go out there to fight him again, but then eventually they wind up getting stopped by a, I would have to assume, is a mutant, um, right? Who's able uh, to take their powers. What's his name? Yeah. Uh, 
His wipeout is his name. Wipeout. Yeah, it's not clear why how Punch Out has powers, and yet she's not sort of subjugated with the rest of the mutates. So I don't know exactly how they decide who gets to be part of the press gang and who doesn't. Hold on. Punch Out equals house nigga. <laughs> Got it. <All> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um,. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Like, yeah, yeah, that's one of the good ones. Um, and so the priest dude also wipes out their powers. Now, if you go back to X-Men, the animated series, they had the, the collars that made quite a few appearances in that mm. that, that cartoon series. Oh. Quite appearances where they used the collars to put their powers out. They do see that uh, Madeline is there, and they do see Jenny Ransom is also there, uh, but they don't know anything about the Jenny Ransom story yet. And... Um, yeah, and it just winds up being this battle. They lose their powers, and that's pretty much it. Um, that's it. All right. So, and, and step, jump in if I missed anything, because I don't want to feel mm-hmm. like I'm no. shooting so. through it. Okay. That was basically um, it. Yeah, back to Genosha, or on Genosha I, in a different I area. There, I think there's a topic of discussion coming up here shortly. You think? Yeah. <laughs> <Boy. laughs> yeah, listen to me. Um, so... Yeah, and basically the the person who does all the uh, the gene, uh, he's the gene engineer. Or gene, engineer. You know, gene engineer. Yeah, whatever. Ugh, whatever. So he does all the experiments. He's out at his home. The magistrates need to come and get him because of the situations that happened at, I think they call it the Citadel or whatever. And then he goes, uh, they come pick him up. And then we, we see, that this is the first time you see a mutate, if I'm not mistaken. And, yeah, other than um, the guy who was loose in the airport. Yeah, but he wasn't right. a mutate. He was just a yeah a loose mutant. Um, I think. Um, yeah, so he was just there. But yeah, so you first see your your first mutate. He comes up to help fix the garden, and then. But the worst part of it is just the dialogue. It's just terrible. Yep. Uh, it's very very slave esque. Very massa. Yes, sir. Uh, and even the the son says, "Fix it, will you, boy?" Like so, it's like ah, like is he as he as if he is a pet, uh, and his answer is just as worse. He's like, "Fix it good, boss." I'll fix it good for you, boss. Yeah, I'll fix it good, boss. And that that I know what he was attempting to do here. I, I kind of wish he hadn't done it. Again, we're talking 30-plus years later. I kind of wish he hadn't done it because it's awful. Yeah. It's just awful. I mean, go, you brought it up before I got to it, Brother Beavis. How was it on your read-through? <laughs> yeah, the fixed good balls is kind of hard to read. And, I, you know, I think this is where, you know, part of the processing is they basically strip, you know, as they strip these people of their humanity, they strip them of their intellect as well, and that's part of the control. So I think that's... That's the story that we're trying to tell, but the fact that, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's not good. No, yeah, the parallel, yeah. Is too, the parallel is too close. Actually, it's not even a parallel. The freaking <laughs> recreation is just, yeah, right this out. is just, it's, yeah. yeah I mean, he's just, it, it's just really bad, um, <laughs> you know, other than the fact that they've given them suits, but they have them, like, branded with numbers or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really bad. Yeah, I number mean, on the side, yeah. Yeah, there's nothing good in their forehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's nothing good about this. And again, I don't think, I don't even think that 
probably Claremont had the 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 thought that like it was gonna be that big of a deal. He might have, but I doubt it. Like he just was like, Oh yeah, that's gonna be interesting. He did put he Storm and Slave outfit back in the yeah, Phoenix Saga. Yeah, I think he probably doesn't realize some of this. Yeah, he probably didn't think that that was a big deal either. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a little bit on the nervous. Yeah, yeah. It's the only thing he didn't do was shuffle off. You know, um, <laughs> pretty yeah. much. Yeah, it, it, it's really bad. But also, as this goes on too, when this does change with the engineer's son. You know, there is there, I mean, not that I have any sympathy yet for it, but there is that uh, awareness or lack of awareness, of, you know, like when you, you know, I was like, oh, shit, people are really going through that? I didn't know. You know, it was like, I didn't know. I had no idea because, you know, people can get so lost in their their bubble uh-huh. of, you know, comfort. Like they don't have any idea that, yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Like I had no idea that people were living like that. You know, it's that old Dave Chappelle joke. Like, uh, honey, apparently Negroes are getting killed like hotcakes. <laughs> you know? it's, it's in the Washington Post, so it must be true. So, I mean, it, it, I think there is a little bit of that, too. It's like, wow, I had no idea that, you know, your relatives were freaking slaves and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So the engineers headed to the capital of Genosha. Um, and then there's an, there's another version of this, too, that's a little bit weird as well. Not weird, but, you know, kind of. It's kind of weird, too, about how Rogue was violated. You know, yep. she always, you know, and they don't come out flat out and say it. You know, that she's like, oh, she always wanted to be touched by people, but how was they touching her? She was butt-ass naked, uh-huh. you know, when they captured her. And, I mean, it's stated there, like, you know, they took some um, some liberties with her when she was being processed. And... I, I took that because of her, her mental state that comes out of that. I took that as that they sexually assaulted her. They just didn't come out and say it, you know? And, uh, oh, man, that's kind of messed yeah, up, too. That, man, I kind of messed up. That's way messed up. Did they, did they re- um, revisit that at all? I don't remember. At least that part. But, I mean, well, they, they do bust back in, and it's a little more overt. Like, it's almost like, so this is the dialogue here. This is cover language, right? So what they thought was fun, she evidently felt she she felt was something else. Like so, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Particularly how it would be defined today, she absolutely got sexually assaulted. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it's I think it's it's uh, usually a cop out by male creators to use rape as a story, you know, as a, as a narrative, right? right. And, and I think. <laughs> It's particularly tragic here in the case of Rogue because, yeah, like her life has been defined by not having, like, like imagining what physical contact would be and then she's in this situation. So right. they, they do bust back in and they're like, oh, you know, we got in trouble, so we're about to do, you know, they actually go after her again. And that's where, you know, now we get the interesting side of the story where Carol Danvers comes back into it. And that's yeah. really what makes the Wolverine-Rogue pairing in particularly in this interest, even that much more interesting. Right. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Like, oh, lost my app. Hold on. Lost my app. There we go. Right, sorry. All right. Yeah. So there's the engineer wasn't happy about her getting like, hey, I, I, I re-engineer people, but I don't rape them. So, okay. That's my needle. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, and then we, we didn't still remember that. 
that that Secret Wars podcast, which was one of the first one I was on, it's, which is fantastic. But I was like, we were just shortly into it, and I was like, this is rape, right? <laughs> Magneto, the rapist. You are wrong, by the way. Not in the least. Um, because it definitely was rape. Uh, <laughs> we also didn't talk about this idea of using gene joke as a word for nigger. Uh, oh, yeah. It's dropped uh-huh. in everywhere. And, and every, you know, and like, I just seeing the panel here, it was like, yeah, Storm's like, yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> Probably not. I, I definitely think that was a reason for you. Like, you know, you're here to finish us. Well, I mean, but just put it in there. You're here to finish us off, nigger. Do not tempt me. That word, nigger, I do not like it. Makes us even. I don't like you, nigger. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's very... You yeah, did add one weird. in there. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, it is what it is. It, it was like, implied. Yes, it was. It was. So, um, yeah, so they they captured <laughs> the ones that were captured by the police, and then Psylocke figures out the whole engineering program. And it takes quite a few pages and panels for her to get to it, and then she's ready to crush and kill everybody. Now they have to do that thing where they go back to Genosha, <laughs> uh, Australia, um, and tell uh, everybody, hey, by the way, yeah, we got to go, okay. And then they go back, and then they transport everybody back this time. Um, <laughs> and then we get back to that scene where we're back in the nice part of Genosha, and then the white side of town. And um, <laughs> there, there's the incident where, you know, he doesn't, you know, the engineer's son doesn't really know what's happening. And Jenny Ransom's parents are getting arrested. Uh, his father will later explain that, you know, his, his son or his, the, Jenny's dad switched yeah. out her, her test. You know, when she tested positive, she switched it out for another person who got, wound up being killed. And he and Jenny were supposed to be married together. I don't know if they have arranged marriages in Genosha. I don't really know. But it just wasn't going to work out. And he's finally seen the other side of the coin. And, you know, again, <gasps> I'm shocked. Shocked, I tell you. I'm shocked. <laughs> you know, that this is happening. And he almost gets Billy clubbed him and of himself, you know, and he has his rights violated. Yeah, by Genosha's yeah. good old boy. Yeah. yeah, and well, and again, you got to put the words in there. He's about to hit oh, him. Oh, yeah. He's going to give this nigger lover a long overdue lesson. Oh, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Oh, right. yeah. No, you can't do that. And then the the ass kicking that kissing that dude dude does after that. It's great, man. Sorry. You know, um, don't tell your dad. That almost be yeah. that ass. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. That'd be really bad. Cause I don't know what would happen. I was just following orders. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So then he goes. Uh, and like I said, I would spoil that a little. But he goes and confronts his dad about what happened. But we get back to the rogue story. And again, she is all in her psyche about what happened and being touched and all of her kind of ghosts for the people that she's touched uh, or memories that she's taken before are all living there, but there's a permanent one there and it is Carol Danvers. And uh, there's a great butt shot of Carol Danvers in there. Um, they did her some justice. Um, not just, I'm just saying. Um, and uh, they make the decision that she makes the decision that she's going to take over the permanent psyche for Rogue while they're in this caper because she's just, you know, mentally not able to do it at this point in time. And then there's the scene where Brother B was talking okay. about where they try to come back to, I mean, shit, rape her. I mean, that's, that, that's how I took it. Like, uh, they were yeah. really going to try to rape this girl, and that's yeah. not sexy at all. And um, Carol's back, and Carol kicks everybody's ass. She rescues Wolverine, and then they're trying to practice their escape out of here. Now, there's all these... Um, 
references back to their time together fighting in like Mother Russia and all these types of things. And again, I would read a Wolverine Carol Danvers book. Right. Yeah. Would, would that be interesting for you, brother? Business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And particularly, you. you know, she's you know she's a she's a mainstay now. Yeah, well, she's definitely yeah. Got well, the other, this is this is a lot of significant stuff for Wolverine as well. Now we find out like his uh, healing factor is actually sustaining me, sustaining him, and we find out about his claws. Which you know there was a old Marvel encyclopedia that basically implied it was just things that he strapped on his wrist. But we find out you know a little bit more about that. So this is you know this is some development for him as well. Yeah. I mean, and Wolverine is a good character development here, too, and the fact that, you know, he's dependent upon somebody else. This is one of the first times yeah. where he's seen dependent upon somebody and not trying to do that. And the trust that he has in Carol as well, you know, based on the relationship that we don't know anything about at this point in time. And they do this a little bit with, you know, later on with him and uh, what Black Widow, you know, that they yeah. had this, you know, like a little bit of a relationship from uh, from fighting as spies or whatever in the past, too. Um, but yeah, so yeah, the Jenny story goes on and on. I really kind of wish they had put Jenny's number like to be eight six seven five three zero nine. It's really oh, nice to do that. <laughs> that would have been awesome. But anyway, little on the nose, but it would have been great. Yeah. Uh, but the other thing here, as we start to get closer to the Inferno, as they are trying to do their gene test on Jenny Ransom. They got Madeline strapped to the table, too. She doesn't appear on anything because of... What was that thing called where they don't appear on radar anymore? No, it's just a gift from Roma for saving the world. Yeah. Oh, I, thought it was, I thought it was a sea sparrow or whatever. But well, whatever. No, that's different. Yeah, okay. okay. I'm going to have to teach a class on Siege Parallel right. and put it on. I might have to. Because I'm ready. Let's do it on but yeah, so in in a moment of that time, uh, what, I want to call him Snarf. Uh, Snarf, um, <laughs> Snarf uh, was like, hey, um, yeah, by the way, because he went looking for her back at the Australian base as well. Yeah. She wasn't there. And then they find her here. Like, hey, Snarf, that's, Snarf. that's Naster, I believe. Snarf <laughs> yeah. Sims, Sims' counterpart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all this stuff for Inferno, which is coming up shortly thereafter, is going to come up shortly after this. But, yes, uh, the, the breakout is really the story here as um, Rogue or Carol and Wolverine get their breakout, and that ends issue 236. Uh, you know, good issue. I thought a great setup for this thing for Genosha. A lots of first-time types of things, like if you have, you know, these books as original runs, you you know, they're probably worth something if you can get them CGI created. You know, they're probably worth a couple of hundred bucks. So, good job mm-hmm. for you. Um, but, you know, kind of overall as a lead up to this, you know, again, going back and reading this and after watching the X-Men animated series, I was just like, oh, all right, Genosha. Like, it didn't really do anything for me. You know, and moving forward for this story because I read it already. Now, <laughs> this is just, like, it doesn't have, like, a great, like, I mean, it doesn't have a great ending, but, like, it, 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 it is at least satisfying. What were your thoughts, Brother Beavis? Uh, at this point, or you want me to flash forward at, to? At this point, yeah. But, I mean, you can bleed into the other part, too. Yeah, I mean, 
this is uh i mean the pacing here is 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 reasonable i think you know part one was a little bit meandering uh as far as what the X-Men are doing, the pacing of their side of the story is pretty good, but then there is all a lot of storytelling between the engineer and his uh, his son and stuff like that. So the book is sort of bogged down, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's it's moving at a reasonable comic book pace. Yeah. But it does, like, it does sort of come to, uh, well, it, it comes to, I guess it's, in a sense, it's weaker because it comes to an ambiguous ending, or, or you know, not not as not a clear ending, as if there is a discussion about whether or not it's appropriate to have a society like this, like right. as if as if it's okay when it's clearly wrong. And I think maybe that's the flaw in the story: is like, yeah, you can't just like there's no reason the X Men should just sort of walk away from this story when this is clearly going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, reading back through it again. It kind of reminded me how I felt. You know, I, uh, like you said, the uh, uh, parallel to the apartheid. I mean, this is an African country. Um, they are they're white, <laughs> but instead of just um, black people, it's just these mutates that they're using or or mutants, um, whatever. They're just completely taking advantage of these people, and you know. Black men never walk away from, you know, social media, and her Chris Grunlock definitely doesn't. So it's, um, uh, emotionally, it kind of did have a little bit of a toll on me, but uh, uh, going through the kid finding his father to Jim DeNair about, uh, you know, he had his eyes open finally. And this pussy yeah. body pop all the time, and they didn't know it, so, you know, and now and it's always the real world, you know. And, um, it's well done, I thought. You know, as always, Claremont has a lot of information that you got to get through, but it's uh, it's well worth it, I think. It's it's one of those things like you know, I always think like, well, will we ever see the Genosha in an X Men movie? Like, nah. Um, it takes long to explain it. Oh, so we might get a reference to it, but it probably takes a little bit too long to explain Genosha to anybody. So, yeah. Uh, just kind of, you know, kind of cute. Well, the problem you have now is there'll be plenty of people show up who think Genosha's a good idea. So, yeah. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's right, yeah, it's right next to Nambia. Thanks, President. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, um, <laughs> those mutates should do the crop. They should go work the crops. They're the ones yeah. who got powers. Yeah. And I'll give these people the ideas. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 Whatever incident happened in Niger, uh, like yesterday or two days ago, um, yeah. I forget what happened, and I, I think I posted on Facebook today. I was like, I kind of, I kind of want, in a weird way, I kind of want somebody to not tell President Trump that that's pronounced Niger. Yeah, let him, let him, let him, let him yeah, so he could go out there, fuck it up. So just in a weird way, he's like, I've always wanted to say this word in the capacity. <laughs> Hey, since I brought it up, I mean, I think for one of the flaws of the Inhuman show is that their society is so is sort of like the reverse of this. They have, you know, if you have powers, you're good. If not, you have to go work the mines. And it's like, uh, okay, that's not right. So why should you know you, you haven't established that your your society is worth fighting for? Why should I be on your side? So yeah, I mean, this yeah, I, I, I've. I 
I started the first like seven to ten minutes or so, um, and I was just like, Whew, "This is rough." Um, yeah. but I, I, I will try to finish it, um, but it'll be it'll be a minute. Um, that that but, yeah. might be an article on the website at uh, yeah. podcast. <laughs> How I wasted forty five minutes of my life. Um, so okay, all right. So that'll wrap up the comic book show for this week. Uh, next week we'll be back. I have to look at the comic book shop list to see what books are coming out next week. Um, Brothers Comics Business. Uh, I just got back from Tampa Bay MegaCon. Only went over for one day. Uh, went over to see, essentially go see Jay and Silent Bob get old. Uh, it'll be an article and whatever about that, but it was pretty freaking awesome. Uh, these two guys know that for whatever reason, they gave me three free tickets to the event, and I'm one person. I'm like, uh, yeah, could have used y'all. <laughs> um, nothing I could do about that. Uh, so, yeah, but that was great. Um, and then our uh, friend of the show, Malika Salam, covered the event on Saturday and Sunday. Um, so there's, I think there's stuff on Facebook and her Twitter or not. If you don't follow her, go ahead and follow Malika. Uh, this weekend is New York City Comic Con. I am not there. Uh, Brother Beavis is not there. It is a brother. It's nephew Beavis. Nephew <laughs> Beavis is covering New York City Comic Con for us. We will not give his Twitter handle shout out name because um, <laughs> it's quite interesting. Uh, but yes, he will be covering that for uh for Brothers Comics this weekend. So check back to uh the Twitter and the Facebooks and whatnot for uh pictures. Did you get him the pass and everything? I get him. I sent him the pass and everything, man. He should have. He should already have it. Um, so yeah, he's. Uh, I, I've been. It started today, and I think he. I remember saying he couldn't go today. Um, yeah. But it already started. So you know, you're starting to see all the other stuff. I'm. I'm. I'm pretty bummed that I'm not there. But also, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, did you see they pulled the Punisher panel? I did. Yeah, for what? And happened. the Punisher probably for you? For, for, yeah, probably a good idea. He's probably yeah. Probably not a Absolutely. terrible idea. Yeah. Um, in light of everything, but yeah, so yeah, so they're they also, uh, they also delayed yeah. the series too. It's being pushed back now because of that. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah. Okay, yeah, today they came right. out. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, so there's that, and uh, other brothers' comments. But that's it. Like we'll be done. We don't have um, the brothers' comments podcast. Who knows, man? Based on the others, those other two individuals, I have no idea. Um, so <laughs> yeah, so that's really it for for now. Yeah, that's it. All right, so, um, yeah, so be checking back to the website or whatever. I did read a couple other books. We won't talk about them on here. I did read, I, I mentioned I read X-Men Gold, and then um, I read the, there's a new, the Archie's comic book, uh, like about the band in and of itself. It's, it's kind of based on the Mark Wade style. Uh, it's written by uh, at Alex Segura, so if you want to follow on Twitter or whatever. But it was really good, too. And uh, Riverdale comes back, uh, the ladies. Uh, for Riverdale podcast, they've changed it. They're not going to be Pretty Little Riverdale anymore. They've changed it to um, the the Riverdale Rag. Uh, so they are handling that. Uh, Mr. Robot starting up soon, so they'll be back on that as well. So if you follow or watch any of those shows, uh, those podcasts will be up. And then we should be doing the Gifted podcast. I just this Monday wasn't going to work, and mind you, I was so right about what I said. Um, I'll leave it at that. So, yeah, we will try to pick that up maybe with episode one recap maybe this weekend after I get a chance to finish watching it, and then we'll go, like, to the steady Monday night recap after the show. Um, uh, from what I saw, I've, I've actually enjoyed it, um, and then most of the reviews I've heard of people have been go glowing and gushing about it. So um, I'm looking forward to finishing it. So, 
Just on y'all's thing, really quick. Thumbs up or thumbs down on it? Uh, thumbs up. I'm surprised. Brother, it's all right. It's all right. Thumb middle. Okay. I mean, the problem I have is it's it seems to be in the continuity of Logan, which I'm not a fan of. So I mean, that that's really it. Other than that, I think it's it's pretty well done. Uh-huh. All right. We'll definitely talk about it. So like that, that'll wrap up the comic book show for Brothers Comics. You can find us again on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher, um, at Brothers Comics. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, all of those types of things. And like I said, we'll see you next week where we'll be back in Genosha and with the other books that we have a chance to read for Marvel Legacy. Uh, so I'm going to sign off as the producer of this podcast. Brother B, let's go ahead and sign off. All right, I'll catch you guys next week. All right, and Sandman, go ahead and sign off. Sorry, I know the blowing music will be back. Next All right. Week. All right, man, we'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace.